Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast with yours truly, B-Things, and the homie Bengals Drake post-Christmas. Um, if it's just in accordance to the Bengals' performance, that led to how we would enjoy our holidays? Dog shit. Horrible. Yeah. Depression. But, obviously, the holidays are always enjoyable, even with the Bengals getting their fucking backs blown out. Pause. Bro, how you doing? Uh, I'm hanging in there. You know, I'm hanging in there. The holidays were, were good, you know, with family and whatnot. It helps get over, you know, at least forget about for, for a little bit what happened the day before, but, uh, on Christmas Eve is when, you know, my family did everything, but yeah, it was, it was a tough loss. It was a, a long, long trip home. The drive there was so easy. And then, then you get back and, you see how everything went and it, it just was, it was terrible. Um, I don't want to sound like a fake fan because I'm not a fake fan, but uh, we left Pittsburgh at halftime. Okay. Oh, it, I love too. <laughs> I love watching the game, bro. Uh, I hate to even do this to you, bro, but I yeah. know your experiences this year, right? Uh, can you just tell the audience of uh, the uh, away experiences you've had this year and what the results have been for each of the away games you've been to? <laughs> Yeah, so you know, I don't know if this this can fall on the team as well. I don't think the you know these stats necessarily pertain to me because last year, you know, Buffalo, I was cooking right. I was I was cooking. I was supposed to go to New York last year, so I would have been you know two and zero. So it it was looking really nice. You know what I'm saying, and then. Then we get we get to the the comments made by the mayor um, last year. Same you know same with Mike Hilton, which Mike Hilton, I think it's just heat of the moment, you know, just adrenaline pumping, and the feds got him, you know, him saying Burrowhead. We know we know how that turned out. So like I said, after the Buffalo game last year, which it was it was a crazy experience. I think I've said on the pod before. When I went to Buffalo, they have like a, a pretty unique way of coming in because there's a lot of houses on this this strip road. And a lot of these people will, you know, rent out their yards for people to park and whatnot so they can just walk to the stadium. But when you are walking to the stadium, players, you know, from Buffalo are just driving their cars in and you could see the players coming in. Same with, you know, when the Bengals buses were coming in, you could you could see it, and I was I was probably the only Bengals fan on the block right there, and I was so drunk I was going crazy. So I know they saw me in the buses, and I know that's probably what what spiraled them to, you know, winning that game. So I'll take credit for that. And then I also told Gabe Davis he was going to get locked down, which he did. Cam Taylor Britt put the seatbelts on him, but then we get to the comments, as I said, Mike Hilton and the mayor. And uh, we lose in Kansas City, first uh, road loss for me. And then we come in, we come into this year, um, got Burrow injured. Zach Taylor doesn't know how to call plays early on, doesn't want to run the ball or nothing, doesn't want to stay balanced, just wants Joe Burrow to throw 40 times against Cleveland in the rain. And uh, lose that. (laughs) Yeah, lose that one in blowout fashion. Then you get over to Tennessee, same thing, not running the ball, just trying to pass it one-dimensional again. What happens? 
get smacked. So blowout there. Then this week, uh, go to Pittsburgh and feel great, right? Feel great. Weather's amazing outside. It feels amazing, right? It's great football weather. It's got a nice little, nice little cool, like, you know, it's still still sweatshirt jacket season but you can you know you don't have to really bundle up too crazy because it's nice outside then i get into the stadium energy emotion was kind of was kind of changing up on me because you know i see the re-entrances i see tj watt come out um and it was it wasn't as i uh, anticipated as i was going in very confident going in and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because I, um, what do they say? I broke the seal. I, uh, you know, I peed before the game. So maybe, maybe just maybe I I was the reason in, in this loss, but I don't know. I don't know. Jake Browning made some really, really ill-advised picks that just, I don't know, man. It, it was, but to sum up the stats, I know a little story time, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm 0-3 dating back to the, the AFC championship. I'm 0-4 on the road um, in blowout fashion in the last three. But I will say, I will say, in all home games last year that I went to, and then Buffalo, I was undefeated in like my last 10 games. But now on the road, for some reason, we suck. So I, I want to tell Bengals fans I'm not going to Kansas City this week. Um, maybe maybe that's a, a good sign. The Bengals all also, you know, last time got beat up by the Steelers. They lose, and then they come back and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can do something similar because we know how the Bengals are, right? They're the cardiac cats. They love to lose games that they should definitely win. You know, favored should definitely win this game and then shit the bed. And then you come in the next week at Arrowhead, you know, with your backs against the wall. And hopefully, hopefully the result stays the same without, you know, like in Jacksonville. But yeah, man, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was tough. It was a tough loss. Um, I know I'm, I'm getting a little, little lengthy here, but early on this year, my grandpa's brother, he passed away. You know, he, car car wreck of some sort and he was a Steelers fan so we're down we're down at the stadium and uh we're we're talking about him and whatnot and I take I take my four loco I pour it into the ground you know respect and uh I guess for some reason he decided to come up and uh basically possess Mason Rudolph okay Mason Rudolph was was possessed by my grandpa's brother on, you know, on that Saturday. And I think that's why we got crushed. All jokes aside, RIP. But yeah, man. <laughs> so <laughs> outscored uh, in the three games. So you... The games you decided to go to, you went to three or four of the only blowouts we suffered this year, which is disgusting to even say that. <sighs> and I've and been, to, been to a lot of games, so it's been it's been tough. On yeah, road. no doubt, bro. I mean, to be outscored by you know what? what? I have to add that up. 
So we what we lost to the Browns what twenty seven three or twenty four? Yeah, yeah. No, I I already added up. I've had it added up. It's eighty five to seventeen. What is the difference in that nine sixty eight? Like, I mean, it's it's just insane. So twenty four to three in Browns, twenty seven three in Titans, thirty four to eleven in this one. Jeez. Yeah, man. I mean. How many hours of driving is that? Like nine, uh, if, uh, nine, let's see, Nashville 19. I mean, 25 hours of driving just to get beat by. Beat the fuck out of. <laughs> like, man, yeah, it's definitely been a brutal run for you, bro. Um, I mean, look, you know. Overall, of course, hope everybody enjoyed their holidays. You know, had a great Christmas and a Christmas Eve, not a Christmas Eve Eve. All right. No one had a good Christmas Eve Eve at 4.30 to 7.30 Eastern. We know it. Um, look, dude, it's becoming pretty clear that, yes, Jake Browning is still a good backup quarterback. No, like, he's not horrible. But what is his downfall? is he gives up that boneheaded play or two a game. And what has been the entire Steelers' identity for, I don't know, 50 fucking years? They cap quarterbacks' mistakes, especially right now. The entire identity of this current Steelers franchise is predicated on making the most of their defense to allow opposing you know to force opposing offenses to struggle any mistake that an opposing offense makes the defense will make them pay to give their lackluster ass the past three years bottom feeding offense a chance to put them in position to win so the Steelers did that the Steelers fucking Eric Rowe the dude was writing books fucking six days ago unemployed and he's getting picks in the middle of a fucking cover two concept because Jake Browning throws a boneheaded dipshit pick. Patrick Peterson has played safety one time in his fucking life since 1940, and he got a pick from a throwaway that you underthrow? Day one of elementary school football, Peewee. Hey, quarterback, when you throw your one tight end leak pass in a game, don't overthrow. If, it, if you're going to throw it away, don't accidentally throw it to the defender. Jake Browning did that. So he gave two boneheaded dipshit plays, and the Steelers made us pay. You get that early. You can't even – you can't run, bro. I'm sorry. Like, I think Zach and Brian did the absolute best they could to try to run the ball. Like, yeah. this was a game – I Yeah, I don't even think – oh, sorry, my bad. No, it is cool, man. I was just going to wrap it up here and let you have the floor again. It's like – how you were saying with Pickens on that second play, I, I was pissed because um, I was driving over to my mom's to watch the game, and, like, I was a couple minutes late, and and uh, and my fucking bullshit-ass phone wasn't loading. It was pissing me off so bad, bro. Like, I get, like, I get anxiety very, very, very little or paranoia, but when I cannot watch every snap of a Bengals game, I lose my shit, and I wasn't able to, so I had to listen to, fortunately, David, uh, uh, Lapham and, and uh, uh, fuck, how do I forget his name? Uh, other guy, nonetheless. Um, and then I heard the replay, 
They're like, and Pickens catches the slant, and he's off to the 40, the 50, the 40, the 30. I was like, no way, bro. I, I was just laughing. I was like, this defense is just it's cool. back of everything right now. And that's where the offense was all game. Just trying to make up for a defense that I think for the first time this year completely just destroyed everything in this game. Like it, it was really unusual, especially with a quarterback like that, man. It was um it was concerning for sure. Yeah. I think I think you look at the game and it's like if Jake doesn't make those boneheaded plays, you're in this game. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. it's not like you're totally cuz cuz yeah, we we saw the defense break but at the same time, it's like Jake doesn't make those boneheaded plays. We're we're still in that game, I, in, in my opinion. Just looking at how how we were moving the ball down the field, even when it got really really bad. I mean, Jake Browning was still. I know. mean, he made plays too, though. Like this is the thing, bro. Like I I agree, I totally agree because the swing from those plays was what put the nail in the coffin. Totally exactly. agree. But overall. Like, yes, the three picks. I didn't even see the Alex Highsmith pick, and it sounded like with you leaving early, you didn't see it either. But that was the second half. I'm still curious how that happened. Like, because you just love good old defensive line picks. Ugh. Makes me want to fucking vomit. However the fuck it happened. It did. But, yes, you make the horrible mistakes early. Um, and it's like, he still made a lot of good throws. Like, I remember, bro, do you remember when he threw that prayer ball? I was like, oh, my God, bro, it's another pick. And Andre caught it, bro. Andre made so many. Uh, definitely going to uh, talk. Do you remember that play when he got? Yeah. Bro. Yes. Three, oh. There was three people. There was three people, and Andre made the play. It was insane. So It, it was a top. That I, As soon as I saw that play, I was like, right in my section, I was like, Yoshi! And then the guy next to me, it's funny because they, they kind of got, at least the person that was next to me kind of had this, like, New York-like accent. So he was like, he was like, hey, yo, that's Yoshi? <laughs> he was like, that's his name? I was like, I was like, yeah, uh, no, that's his nickname. He was like, I ain't gonna lie, bro. Like, I'm, I just found out. This is what a lot of Steelers fans actually said to me. Probably at least five plus that I, you know, ran into, and they said something to us. But it was, it was that they were salty that they weren't able to see Jamar Chase play. So that's that's respect because I think I think no matter what, you see the the great talent there and. Yoshi, man, he he came in and he stepped up. I wanted to obviously see more in the stat sheet, but the plays that he made, it was like it was like that's that's exactly what we're expecting. I mean, not, not to get ahead, but it's like we we talked about pre episode. We we expect he to get franchised, but if you have a guy like that who can make plays like that and develop, who knows? You know, the sky's the limit. He came on he came on this podcast and talked about it being the epitome epitome of his epiphany epiphany right that's it epiphany of his career or epitome i don't know i don't know either yeah. or epitome. <laughs> okay epitome so epitome of his career you know if he could be like a julio jones not to say that he could he's gonna be that good but 
to be able to be a starting caliber wide receiver at some point is is also a big thing. And Andre Andre looked really really good in that game, in my opinion. Everything you want to see when when you don't have a guy like Jamar Chase out there. And I think like we said, the boneheaded plays by Jake was the big swing of the game, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, you look at his stat sheet nearly. Might have been 70% completion. I think it was near 70% completion yet again. He had over 300 passing yards, got, you know, got the touchdown at T. It was just those those interceptions is what what changed the whole game. And I you know, you, we we can't blame nothing on on Brian or Zach. I agree with you. I think I think they did their best to yeah. run the ball. You can't when you're down 21 zip at halftime. You can't, you can't just run the ball like you can't do that. So, at some point, it, it's left in the second, bro. Like you were down almost yeah. halfway through the first half, right? Like it was horrible, bro. And and you know, I I just I can't stand with saying that Jake was the ultimate reason. You know, I think he ignited it, bro. Like one can't sell me that giving up an eighty-six yarder, a, a sixty-four yard play, and a forty-six yard yeah. play. To- who doesn't break up a game like this defense? George Pickens, Jerry Rice. Look at these <sighs> fans. They were wanting them in the fucking XFL with Martavius Bryant just five days ago. Like yeah. now, like he's champion. Like, dude. Yes, George Pickens is a really good wide receiver. We've all acknowledged it, and we've said all along. You know, especially myself, like observing him pre-draft on what his, you know, uh mental makeup you know or a personality i should say Uh, not like an iq i don't know his fucking iq but obviously his eq um has gotten in the way and it's obviously shown diva energy uh with the steers but like just look dude you give up that many yards to mason rudolph the offense did that steers offense did whatever the fuck they wanted for almost 75% 75% of the game and then I mean look overall who gives a shit I mean I guess it doesn't really matter that much if one really thinks it's Jake Browning or not because they're both like it's one or the other I mean dude, so who really cares I just think um, look man Jake Browning is a backup quarterback what do backup quarterbacks need they need to be in a system and they need to play uh, in front of the sticks on the downs, you know, they want to be in positive yarded situations of like second, second and short, third and shorts, third and manageable, second and manageable, first downs. They want to keep rhythm going because that's when they are the best. Jake Browning has put up historical numbers in his first few starts with being ahead of the sticks. This game, you get behind them, you put them in a bind. When you put them in the bind, you force them to think more. They overthink. They make boneheaded decisions. He's been prone to do that. He had two. And like I said, what a pigeon mo- it put fuck now I'm rolling. <laughs> now I'm fucking getting a pigeon <laughs> Epitom- is I'll add that in the fucking title. Uh, what epitomizes the Steelers entire franchise is capitalizing on quarterbacks' mistakes on their def- with their defense. They did. Now, I think there's been a couple times, maybe a few, that Jake Browning has gotten really lucky. Shit, two in the last Steelers game. Maybe that was get back, bro. Remember when the two fucking bobble passes went in Jamar's hands for like 80 yards in the Steelers game? First one, like, ooh, that was crazy. Man, how did that happen? Like, maybe that was get back. 
by the boneheaded moves that Jake Bur- that Jake has made. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. The two, right. we knocked ourselves out, bro, in fucking ten minutes. Like it was. Horrible. I agree with you. I mean, you look at you look back to that that Jamar when that one was that was crazy because that could have been a three pick game too. Uh, yeah. two, they two. were crazy. There was two of them. Like, <laughs> two of them that went for 20 plus yards just wow. insane and i i look at i look at this and like you said he he's a backup i mean you you you, you expect this at some point right but you expect that he's a high high level backup where he can win you games and that's something that he has done and i think some people or fail, you know, will fail to acknowledge that, you know, they'll think, oh, the Jake Bryan legacy runs over. And I don't, I don't think that necessarily, I think it's just, he, he's got to clean some things up. You know, you, you make those mistakes and, and you, you get back and you watch tape and you get better. Um, I think, I think what he's done to this point, you even saw it in that Steelers game when it got really ugly, he still was doing good things. You know, he, it, it, it's just the, the swing. You know, you you turn the ball over when when you could add three points and it completely flips the script after they just had a big George Pickens touchdown. So that changes the whole the whole dynamic of the game and in the momentum, you know, the momentum you got. You got Steelers fans. I mean, what one thing that was so funny is it was so quiet, bro. It was, bro, to start the game, bro, when the Bengals first went out there, bro, on the field, even after the Pickens touchdown, bro, it was so quiet. And I was like, we got we got to capitalize on this, bro. I, I've never been in a stadium, if I'm being honest. I mean, Buffalo was quiet at, you know, at some points, but the, this early in the game, and, like, it, it would have been so easy down on the field, just hearing from the crowd, like, you can hear plays clear as day because it's just so quiet in the stadium. Like a lot of Pittsburgh fans that I noticed, they fucking, they sit down. They literally sit down during games and like, they'll stand up for a quick second. Like, it's like fucking annoying. Like I want to stand up the whole freaking game, but I'm not. Yeah. Like there was, I don't know if you saw the guy on, you know, Twitter and whatnot. He, he, the beard guy, beard guy. He's got a big beard. He's like a personality in the Bengals, Bengals uh, uh, community. But they were trying to, I guess, kick him out because he was standing up. It's like, bro, just because all you Steelers fans want to fucking be lazy as shit and sit down and you don't have belief in your team until George Pickens uh, turns Jerry Moss. or Yeah, Jerry Moss. I'm going to just say Jerry Moss. We're going to do the combo. Jerry Moss. He fucking went Jerry Moss on us. And, you, you know, that's when <laughs> that's when they get alive. I will say that. Like, I had, you know, respect to Pittsburgh fans because no matter, you know, how the game was going, they were really respectful. And I, I had a feeling that it was going to be a lot better than Cleveland. And it was because, you know, the fans weren't, bro, like this is a highly competitive game. We know how the Bengals Steelers rivalry is. And they were just super respectful. I ne- I didn't have one Steelers fan like yell in my face, like who did, you know what I'm saying? Or like, just troll me, like not one. So I will, I will give Pittsburgh fans that, but a little, a little suspect, a little 
possibly fraudulent (laughs) that your that your team uh was so quiet but i mean i also get it too you know mason rudolph's coming in you you don't really know what to expect but you know they they cap man they capitalized on the interceptions and what's so terrible bro is i feel like we come on this podcast you know a few weeks out of the of the year at least this year and we we talk about the outlook and the differences on offense and defense, our offense versus team's defense. And one thing that's been so weak for us is we've not been able to capitalize on opportunities in which we should like really, really badly because you have both both safeties out this week for Pittsburgh. We've seen it against the Ravens before with with injuries and whatnot. We've seen it against other teams too. And it's like you see some of these big stars that really help pump that defense up. We know how that that defensive line is. It runs through them. But even even that back into the secondary, it's like, damn, like we, we haven't been able to capitalize on the opportunities where, say, injuries are an advantage or, or anything. And we haven't been able to capitalize on that opportunity and get the wins when we need it. I mean, we're we're zero and five in the division this year. We're we're eight and two outside, and yeah. that's kind of a similar stat we we saw last year. Like it's just like, damn. Well, I mean, yeah. well, you know, uh, even then it up with going three, you know, three games straight with dubs after the three losses. But right. I, you. you out there, bro. You 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 hopped over a few things, but I wanted to hit on the initial one of Jake to kind of wrap it up. Like, I totally agree with your outlook on him. Um, of look, dude, Jake Browning, his performance Sunday or Saturday, and where he's been, I I think is in the middle. I think he's a good backup quarterback. That if you keep rhythm going, fortunately, he's even showed it without it. Of I mean, look, dude, like, he really fucking beat Minnesota down 14, the hottest defensive football, the most exotic defense, the most exotic coverage is the constant haymakers that are thrown by that Brian Flores-led defense. Beat them. It's just the matchup. Every week, I feel like you between Brock Purdy and Jake Browning this week, one touchdown, seven interceptions. So it's like you you look at it, in this game, the NFL, even when it gets to the playoffs too, it's all about matchups. And I feel like clearly we, we've seen it in two matchups with Jake Brown against the Steelers. It's just not been good. But it doesn't mean that Jake Browning can't move from here, you know, in, in yeah. games. And I think I think that's what a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have false hope now, you know, after they saw the, the Cleveland blowout. And I think – you look at the stats, bro. Like, I get it, the three interceptions. I'm not trying to cope. But, bro, you nearly complete 70% of your passes. You go over 300, and you got a, you know, a big touchdown to T. Higgins. Like, he's still – there was still good things to see in that game. It just got so ugly. It was similar in that Ravens game, right? When Jake Browning comes in, things got so ugly. But we still saw good things. And I think that's what that's what makes him a backup. You know, you see the flashes – he can wheel you to victories, um, but it, it's not like Jake Brown's just going to come in and and win every single game. You wish you could have capitalized on Pittsburgh game, but you have an opportunity in these next two weeks. Every single situation, too. Like, he yeah. can't 
I mean, you can't expect it from him. Like, I was bringing up this perspective, bro. I, I think I brought it up to you, too, and to everybody else I was speaking to about it. Like, look, our last six games are all against playoff teams. Playoff ugh, Steelers, I mean, in the race, right? Uh, but the last six games without, or at least throughout most of this game, Trey was not 100%. He had a stinger that was affecting him. So I kind of add that little asterisk there. But of so including a dinged up tray, you were missing five of your six best players. Oh. Multiple of them. Your best one, obviously, for five, six games. DJ Reader out for the year. Jamar's out. Trey's not 100%. The only guy that was out there was T, and it showed. CTB out. Those are, those are Joe, Jamar, DJ, Trey, CTB, and T are your best six players. I think I missed T twice. Nonetheless, your six best players, five of them, four were out, one was not 100%. You won three games straight against three playoff teams in December. I, look, dude, like, how, how long before the back breaks? I don't know. Ask any. I was telling my brother this because he's a bitch ass Stewards fan. He was actually on the Stewards main page. Him and his uh, girlfriend um, in the fucking Stewards pro shop. Fucking frauds. Whatever. But uh, I was asking him because he acted like it was funny, just scoffing it off. I wasn't making excuses about the injury. I'm just adding the reality of what it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I have no problem taking accountability. We got our ass kicked. Whatever. But I was like, all right. Imagine if you were out with TJ Watt. First off, you were last year, and guess what? You went one and seven. That's cute. Um, so say you're without your best player, TJ Watt, for six weeks. You're also without Cam Hayward. You're also without Jalen Warren. You're also without George Pickens. And you're also without Alex Highsmith. Or <laughs> Alex Highsmith. How oh. good are And he was like, oh, I mean, in that light, I'm like, yeah, exactly. He's like, we didn't have Kenny Pickett. I'm like, you are <laughs> shit. You're have Kenny Pickett. Like he was about to get benched. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it changes everything, bro. And overall, how long can a team last? Like, yes, the loss was horrible. Disgusting. I mean, it but it's just kind of like a throw your hands up moment. The defense, it was a culmination of all those bad things of being without those guys. And not only being without those guys, I mean. Trying just, to adapt. Yeah, trying to adapt without them almost. Yeah. like I mean, and also what encapsulated that game was, like you said, trying to keep up adapting. And you got out physical. The encapsulation of that game was Jermaine Pratt getting put on his fucking ass. From oh, my God. When Drake, I hate to say it, bro. You said you had the feeling when you saw the energy from TJ Watt and you kind of got, you know, like, oh, fuck, this may not be good. As soon as I saw that Jalen Warren play, I said, this game's over. It's over. Like, I mean, you're ill-prepared. You're ill-prepared. And look, dude, when you have a backup quarterback, you cannot afford to be ill-prepared on the opposite side of the football. Without your best weapon, your have seen it. Player, I mean, We've seen it with Lou, right? We love Lou. We really do. But we've seen it with him against backup quarterbacks just not being able to 
prepare for those situations and it's like damn like you can go up against patrick Mahomes and fucking shut him down because you can see all the tape but it's like mason rudolph comes to town or mike white or somebody it's like it's fucking it's like christmas every every day of the year for every team when you know it comes against us just go ahead and throw cooper rush in there and you know you might just beat us every single game <laughs> like imagine if the Bengals actually had to face like like, I don't know, like, I, Josh Dobbs saw tape on him. But imagine if every single week, right, the Bengals had to face a starter that hadn't, you know, you didn't have tape on him this year. He hasn't, you know, hasn't started in a minute. Like, 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 what would our record be, actually? <laughs> like, dude, I mean, like. Fucking Cooper Rush one week. Then you got, you got, uh, who? I'm just throw it, Trevor Simeon. No, 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 not Trevor Simeon because we know Trevor Simeon. So say, uh, I don't know, just just random guys, dude. Also, Trevor Simeon, we need him tonight, bro, against Cleveland. Trevor Simeon, bro, it, it's got a chance tonight. We're going to see, okay? We're going to see. We know Joe Flacco's been on a roll, but can Trevor Simeon do it, bro? We're going to see tonight. No, dude, we have to for sure. Um, I mean, look, dude. It it is a disgusting trend. Like you, said, this defense would be ill prepared and caught lacking against the that against dudes that don't have a ton on them. These dudes ain't got that thing on them. They're fucking backups for a reason. They don't have juice for real. Like, let me they, ask they do. Let me ask you this: If the Bengals don't give up as many explosive plays as they do, it's not like they could have still stayed in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they didn't give up as many explosive plays to just fucking absolutely bend them over and just, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It was just like, bro, if you if you could have just limited those big plays, it that that in itself could have changed the whole game. Because we, we talk every week about how this red zone defense is. But if you're fucking giving up 70-yard 70, 70 touchdowns three, you know, multiple times a game, you give your red zone defense no shot. So, yeah. No doubt. I mean, look, plus what has been talked about yet, you're 0 for 2 on fourth down. You had five unofficial turnovers. The Stewards had what? Zero? One? Zero. And you only by 23? You should have lost. But when you think of it like that, when you're minus five in the turnover differential, you better lose 30, 40. Like, it's over. That's I what, mean, like, we were, it was 21 0 at half. I get it. We were still, we were still in it. The reason why I law, I left is because it just, yeah, out of nowhere, bro. As soon as the game was about to come on and sing out, it just started downpouring. So we were like, you know what? We're not about to sit out here and get fucking completely drenched, have a four and a half hour drive home and watch us, watch our ass get beat. So we were like, you know, we'll just, We'll watch it. Then, then I saw a big T play, and I was like, "See, they might actually, might actually be back in it." And the defense, man, they just keep, you know, the, another explosive play to Pickens. It was just something that you, you don't want to remember. You don't remember that. You just want to move on to the next and and get ready for Kansas City, bro. Yeah, I mean, look, dude, I, I tried to watch film. Yeah. Uh, Monday night. I'm like, you know what? I, I feel better now. You know, Missed I feel good. Tackles. Like, tackles too. I mean, I mean, what's that? Miss tackles. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just horrible. You got your ass kicked. You got out physical. You got outplayed, period. But, like, I was trying to watch film, and I did watch some of it. I watched, like, half of it. Um, And I was just, like, like I said, I was in a great mood. You know, I had, uh, you know, uh, the 49ers game, and I'm like, this is horrible. Why am I watching? This pisses me off still. Like I'm, I'm like it's not far enough. Like I have to be much further along than this because this is horrid. Um, so look, dude, as we've indulged on a lot of the negatives from this game, um, I'll kind of sum up the three biggest problems or the few, you know, few biggest problems I took from the game. And then let's turn the corner to the positives because the season is not over. All right, so I'll sum up the biggest problems real quick. You were simply ill prepared. Period. You were ill prepared. Yes, it's a lot to overcome when you are missing the center, the nucleus, the heartbeat of your defense in DJ Reader, the dude that has held together this run defense for years. We know it. It's very hard to go without him. You have the biggest abilities on your entire defense that used to be Nick Scott probably supplemented with Jordan Battle. The biggest liabilities on your defense is your interior depth on the defensive line. It is horrid. It is textbook. If Offensive Academy would ever gather some film and say, hey, here's how we effectively wash a dude away on a pool, you just show the interior Bengals defensive lineman. You show here's – look at him. Here's a perfect example. Look at every fucking rep of Zach Carter and go ahead and send it to a fucking Offensive Line Academy. They're going to show you how to wash a dude away in a fucking whatever. Whatever. It's horrible. So the, the defensive line – Put us in a horrible situation out of sight of Trey. Um, corners got beat. And Jake Browning, you know, overall, we didn't capitalize on these swing plays. You had five swing plays in the game on offense. I mean, you, you were inside. You were on the two-yard line on a fourth and goal or the one and a half. And you to run it. Got it. It is risky, but okay. And you also miss on a fourth and short, I think, a fourth and one again. Uh, inside it was 30 so wasn't i that, mean wasn't that the one where we didn't get in and they came down and scored the touchdown before half uh i'm pretty sure yep yep 98 yards I'm like oh yeah that's fire that's good vibes for sure um but nah man i mean just all this you know led to the bad game Let's go to some of the positives, right? Yeah. So start with this. No, just to make clear one more time, Jake Browning is fine. You just have to continue to play our game of football. We still have chances to do that. The way that this game went is rare. Like, we have not been down 14 to nothing early in any game this season. It almost never, ever, ever, ever happens. This time it happened, and then you had the, the bad pick, and you're down 21 nothing. Before you know it, early in the second, it will likely never happen to where Jake Browning has to be put in a bind like that again. Keep the run game going. It can get going. Keep the short pass game going. And just play smart, play confident, play smooth. Don't, don't throw something that you don't think is there. Hopefully Jake adapts to that well these final two games because you need him. Um, and I think he will, dude. Like, look, like you said, bro, he still threw for 335. Yeah, he had the picks. I get it. It wasn't a good game at all. 
he still he still had some volume. So let's make that volume count. I think that's something to look forward to. Um, you hope to get Jamar back. CTB's coming back, announced today. Um, T balled out again. Um, I mean, offensive line still healthy. Trey Hendrickson has fucking 16 sacks still. He got some juice on the defense still. And uh, look, man, now we're going to play a fucking wobbly uh, Chiefs team that got literally embarrassed, that didn't allow a pass for three quarters yet, still got smoked. So that that was what actually made my Christmas uh, was was witnessing that witnessing the Chiefs, you know, Aiden O'Connell just played horrible. Did you know? Didn't complete a pass in the first quarter, and to see them lose was just felt great. It did. It felt great after what what happened to us. It was just like, all right, this this makes me feel better. Um, and you you have a chance this week. You really do. Um, well, like not only the Chiefs game, yeah, four on Sunday went your way. This is what. This is why, like. Bengals fans, like however many of y'all listening that think, you know what, let's just pack it up. You know, we have no shot. Like we got still because look, dude, five games went our way. Literally pretty much every single game that we needed to go our way. Did we want to see the Ravens lose? Of course. Look, the harsh reality, we're not catching them anymore. Okay, they're too far ahead. So that one didn't really matter. Every single game. Five games we needed to go our way if we wanted to have our playoff hopes still well alive went our way. The Broncos lost. The Colts lost. The yep. Texans uh, um, Who was the other team? Um, uh, the, Jags. the Jags. Then they lose. That's right. The, the Jags and then the Chiefs. So, I mean, a lot of things went our way, man. It's we a feel thing, bro. It's a thing. Oh man, because you got now you got the Chiefs right, who are a game back. So essentially, the Bengals, Bengals come out this week tied with the Chiefs potentially. Like that, that in itself is just crazy. Bro, what if the Chiefs have a breakdown and the Raiders continue winning? Oh yeah. I, no. Oh shit, no, nah, I don't think the Raiders have a tiebreaker. I think the Chiefs division, no matter what. I mean. Unless if like the Broncos went out, wait a sec. No, nah, I don't even know about that. Damn. No, nah, the Chiefs didn't clinch yet, so I don't know. But uh, maybe they did win the division already. But uh, I mean, I was thinking, bro. I was like, only if the Broncos, you know, could have mustered up a, a win earlier in the season or something, they could literally win that division and knock the Chiefs out of the playoffs. How wild would that be? Now you got like and benched, so a lot of. A lot of controversy there in Denver, but um, Raiders, man, the Raiders are doing their things. Amir White, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a really, really good running back in this league, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, man, you look, you look at how everything played out this weekend, and the Bengals are definitely still in it. And I will say, if if we come out of these games, you know, winning both, and we get in the playoffs, I, I, I don't think. And I, I don't think Pittsburgh would make it, right? So <laughs> I think the only team really that would be scary scary to play is, is like Pittsburgh. Obviously, we'd probably have to go through Baltimore at some point. But if if this team gets in the playoffs, 
just like any year, no team's going to want to play them. You know, they're they're just a dangerous team. They've been there. They've done that. Um, and, and we still have an opportunity. You know, I think a lot of people think it's just let's wrap this up. Season's over. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people's opinions that I heard this week was, I, I don't understand why we here. I'm gonna act, I'm gonna change my voice first. I don't understand like why we won all these games when we could have like had a better draft pick, but instead, you know, we won all these games. We get fucking blood out at Pittsburgh. And season's over. No, the season's not over. We saw it, right? We saw the Jacksonville Jaguars. Since we beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have been abysmal. Abysmal. They've not won a game since, I don't believe. Maybe. Uh-uh. Not, no, not one. They've not won a singular game since we beat them. And, and you look at the dynamic of the Chiefs season right now, and it's kind of the same, right? And if the Bengals can get out of this week with a win, they're right back in it. I mean, right back in it. We we would love to see a a fucking upset this week, right? Tomorrow or tonight with the Jets. Yeah. I just the way that that team's playing, man. I got to give the Browns a lot of credit for you know, especially Joe Flacco, who I told you, I told you, man. I told you we should no, I'm just like, but I did send you a text early on when you know Browning wasn't going as we thought. So and you know, I sent B things a text. I was like, man, Joe Flacco. You know, I, I've been a, I've been a fan of Joe Flacco since I saw what he was doing with the Jets last year because he can just he can sling the rock. But uh, yeah, man, he can't move. You know that Joe Flacco threw three horrible picks in the Browns game. I know, man. I don't know how, how but, they get in the way, bro. Well, because they actually have an elite defense, what we thought we've had, but we yeah. have one giving up the most explosive plays, you know, more than any team in the league, essentially, right now. Um, the Bengals are going to have to, you look, like I said, you look at the, the division, right, and how the defenses are. In my opinion, I think the Bengals are, are going to probably focus, and, you know, we'll talk about it in the offseason, but I think the Bengals. Bengals are probably going to put an emphasis on, you know, whether free agency or anything oh, yeah. on that defense. I think that's going to be that's going to be interesting. Also, I wonder, I wonder, bro, I wonder if DJ would take less now. I haven't, you know, I haven't heard nothing. I just, oh yeah, like it, you, you look at it, it's going to be major, you know, recovery, you know, comeback and whatnot. So, and I think that would be perfect for us, bro. I don't know if I told you before. I feel like I have, but from what I've heard, you know, DJ is the type that he wants to take on that veteran, veteran role when the time's necessary. And I, I think personally, in my opinion, how you how you look at DJ and just the makeup of him, he's a fucking dog, right? I get it. He's about to be thirty. I'm telling you right now, opposite leg. I think DJ can still come back, right, and give you great elite play i do personally believe that but as you look at it and you look at the availability it's like yes we you know you're gonna you know it's gonna take less in a way but i would love mm-hmm. to bring him back bro i think i think that's just as you said like you you got leaders on that defense bro and it, it wouldn't change nothing to to bring him back when he's healthy 
you know, get the most out of him that you can. Just just some unfortunate stuff. But now we're we're faced in a situation where we got to make do of what we have. And I, you know, I'm at the game, so I didn't see really what was going on with Zach Carter. So what? I mean, what was was it just horrible? Like I I didn't really. I yeah, really... I mean, it it wasn't horrible, bro. The defensive line was not horrible it was just they were consistently losing but it wasn't they weren't getting absolutely blown up they were just getting they were taking consistent losses they were losing leverage uh not like i said it wasn't explosive it's like these dudes are getting destroyed you know if it's a pool play and the line's washing out to the right and like the defensive tackle was like in the way because he's on his side getting thrown to the ground in two yeah. in a second. Not like that, but they're just getting washed away too quick in one on ones. You can't be DJ was like, so heralded because he demanded double teams yeah. every fucking play. I if knew- you didn't DJ Reader, he wrecked the shit. Our guys are not doing that right now. Right. Yeah, I think you I think you actually explained it. Yeah, I think I, I forget when you explained it, but you, you explained the same thing. It's like when you don't have DJ out there, I mean, maybe you said it in the space, actually. Um, you know, you don't have DJ out there, y- you have to face these one on ones, and it's it's not going to work out in your favor because you could throw a double on Trey, right? And then take your take your odds of one on ones and whatnot from that point if, if you yeah. have an extra lineman or linebacker coming off the edge. But or a corner or whatever the situation is. But I want to go back to what you said. Trey getting his 16th sack. Look at the look at it right now, bro. Set, I mean, we are at the brisk. We're almost at the end of the year. We have two weeks left. Trey Hendrickson is second in the NFL in sacks. One behind TJ Watt. Um, Trey was third last week, I believe, tied third. Now he gets into that two-slot opportunity this week against the Chiefs offensive line, who we know Patrick Mahomes was running for his life in that Raiders game. The Raiders, man. It made me really proud what they were doing on defense. It just it put Patrick Mahomes in really uncomfortable situations. And it was almost like he had – I tweeted this out. It was almost like he had to play Joe Burrow ball, and it, it didn't work out in his favor against the Raiders, man. And if, if we can get Trey, man, to, to come out here against, I, I don't know. I saw the rookie out there, the rookie tackle. I don't know if um, Donovan's Juan. hurt or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's hurt right now. Okay. So yeah, they, they had Wanya Morris out there, but you know, Juwan Taylor's not been good this year either. You know, he's not been worth the money. You know, we, we got Orlando for cheaper. So it's like, if you can maximize and, and, and get the most out of it, I would love to see Trey, bro. I, I need – it's going to be tough, but I don't know, bro. I need to see Trey get 20, bro. I just want to be able to say, like I saw I, – like, I want to be able to say my edge had 20 sacks, bro. Put some fucking respect on his name. I mean, even, even at 16 right now, it's like he's second in the NFL, bro, and he's just – he's a dog. Like, he's a dog, and it – He's still not talked about enough, in my opinion. I feel like, you know, people do know, but he's still just – he's not talked about enough respectfully. I mean, 
look, dude, we talked about it, you know, the layout of how crazy it'd be, you know, with a guy like Joe Flacco, how immobile Joe Flacco is. Right. All the tackles that they've lost on that Browns offensive line, that's not the same O-line because they've just had so many injuries. Yes, they are healthy on the interior a lot. You know, we're going to see really similar offensive lines the next two weeks. You know, uh, what was very good, kind of a shell of themselves now because they're dealing with insufficiencies on the outside, both tackle spots. Same case for each team we're going to see. Uh, but there's opportunities, man, with the Stonewall guy like Joe Flacco. I mean, Trey took his fucking lunch, bro. Trey had three forced fumbles. Three forced fumbles against Joe Flacco last time you saw him, bro. How often have you heard that in a game? They didn't count one, which was bullshit. They gave it to, like, B.J. Hill or something. Bullshit. <laughs> you watch it was clearly fucking Trey. <laughs> like, three forced fumbles with three sacks? Two and a half, I think. Sorry. Like, come on, bro. I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to happen again because, like, you know, maybe the Browns can figure it out or something or whatever the case looks like. I don't know. But, it, yeah, dude, I mean, I think it's absolutely feasible for Trey to hit that 20. Uh, it's going to be pretty crazy, man. I mean, I, I thought of – It's not normal. You know, I think that's what makes it just so amazing to see because we have we have a player like Jamar Chase, a quarterback like Joe Burrow, T. Higgins. We're blessed with all this talent. And then it's like we we took a – not a, a, kind of a calculated risk almost, right? He came off a big year in New Orleans, but we lose the juice with Carl Lawson. And I feel like a lot of people were kind of suspect on it. And I, I was instantly, bro, when I saw we signed Trey Hendrickson, I was telling people, I was like, bro, we got a dog. Like, we, he's going to be a dog. A lot of people were trying to say Cam Jordan was across him. That's what helped him with a lot of sacks. And I just went and, and saw what he does, bro. And he's shown it this year. He had, he had eight sacks last year. He's already doubled that amount, and he still has two games to go. Two games to go. Yeah, man. Double the amount. Um, highest pass rush win rate since 2017. Really? Yes, bro. Like, wow. dude. I mean, he's one of the best, but it's just insane. Like, I was talking to my uncle about it, and he was uber confident in saying that uh, Trey Hendrickson's a top three pass rush in the league. He's oh. like, it's uh, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Trey. Like, just with the amount of fucking elite pass rushers in this league, man. Like, all in the AFC North. <laughs> yeah, bro. But, like, Max Crosby is insane. Dog. I mean, Dog. And that dude plays on crack. Literally, like, literally salts, bro. <laughs> great salts. I mean, this dude has, he has it all on the sideline ready to go. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, maybe don't Trey, say- maybe give Trey some of them salts. I want to see how that works out. I feel like Trey might might go off with this. Yeah, he he'll definitely be going blackout Trey then. But I mean, look, bro. Uh, let's go ahead and try to wrap this here soon. Yeah. Um, you know, leaving this game, it definitely felt like all the dust was in the air and we couldn't see what the future would hold. We couldn't see what the future of this season was going to look like. If anything, it was really grim. It was like, you know what? It's over. Whatever. It was fun. A lot of people are, you know, kind of, you know, elaborate to what you're saying earlier, what a lot of people are saying. Linsanity run is over. 
dude, like Jake Browning is fine. He's a fine backup. And like, well, we said this, like we think that Jake Browning's overall play is somewhere in the middle of where it was to, uh, you know, what the three-game stretch was to the Steelers game, the right. first one. Right. And add to the next Steelers game. He's just a good fucking backup that if you put him above the sticks, he's going to be good. So, um, you know, it, he can still put you in position to win games, right? Um, I'm tempted to get, to get into predictions for this episode, but uh, we're recording so late in the week, it, it's not prediction time yet. Um, but, you know, I, I feel confident, man. I feel like we yeah. can definitely, you know, uh, make some noise. Like, I'll add this really quickly. You win both games, 93% chance to get in. You win one more game, still a 20% chance to win. But let me tell you something real quick for context, how quickly it can swing in one weekend, and it's going to swing even more now that we're getting week to week closer you know, to the end of the season. It On a Saturday night, it was 7% chance if we would have gone 9-8 and eight to get in. Now it's 20 if we go 9-8. and eight. Why? Because all the teams we needed to lose lost. It can do that again. Not going to say all those teams are going to lose again. Not saying that. But it's a week-to-week league, man. Like, even with how easily I can get, you know, caught up in that. On the bad side of the good side of it. Like, a lot can change, man. It's not over. And uh, this team's definitely not going to give up. 100%. It's never over until it's over. We're still 8-6. and six. You know, we're still two games above 500. And we hope oh, we are 7. I think we're eight and seven. Oh, we're eight and seven. You're right. You're right. You're right. We came into the game eight and six. Okay, eight and seven. So yeah, because because uh, the Chiefs are nine and six. So that that game back, if they lose, we'd be tied. So yeah, man, uh, I I still have hope for this season. Um, like I said, it's never never over until it's really over. These guys are too talented. You get Cam Taylor Britt back. That's gonna be big. For this, for this secondary in terms of explosion and shit like that. When when you look at the outlook of Chiefs offense and their wide receiver court, just don't put fucking Mike Hilton on MBS and let him fucking resurrect again. Don't do that. Let's not do that this, this game. Please, please do not do that. Um, yeah, bro. I mean, put fucking CTB on MBS if you have to. Or no. I mean, we got we to gotta have somebody on. Put Drake on him, bro. Nah, nah, put Drago on him. Like, if you could, yeah. Rasheed Rice is a mosquito. Exactly. Yeah, we gotta, yeah. we gotta contain him. Yeah, I think he can do some stuff. Um, but right. he's just not good. In, he's not that good. Right. Uh, he's fine. I don't want to say. I, I think he's fine. I think uh, Rasheed Rice reminds me of like, um, kind of like Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Tyler like. Boyd. Yeah, he's a good player. Like, I mean, you know, he's not elite or nothing, uh, but he's good. Um, so he can, you know, obviously, if the Chiefs had a Tyler Boyd, you know, themselves, like, we'd be like, oh, okay, you know, let's make sure we contain Tyler Boyd. Don't let him pop off or nothing. So, yeah, definitely something to be aware of. Um, but uh, we were talking about this pre-episode, bro. Uh, last thing I want to hit on before we head out, uh, we saw the cool post from TJ. Who's Manzada? Who's your mama talking his shit? Um, when the question was brought up, or the statement that someone on a pod with them, kind of audacious, said, J 
Jamar is the greatest receiver in Bengals history. So we talked about this pre-pod. I want you to go ahead and, uh, you know, speak on on uh, what you think of that and what are your top five in order receivers, Bengals receivers of all time. Yeah, man, I, I look at I look at what he said and uh, I don't know. I get it because he is one of the one of the greats in terms of Bengals wide receivers. Same with Chad and AJ and, you know, the guys he listed. But I look at I look at the the way everything, you know, I, almost like the story, not even the story, but look at the age and everything like that. Jamar has came in and he's produced at a higher level than all of those guys, right? All of those guys coming in. He has been just historically good. Uh, he comes in and at age 21 and 22, now 23, at a young age, he, he's doing this and he's learning the game. And it's like you haven't even got to when, when Chad and, and AJ and, and TJ, when they really started spiking in terms of numbers, we're not even – we're, we're two years away. We're a year away from that still for Jamar Chase. So, and, and he's already put up historically better numbers than, than all those guys. So when I look at the greatest, I know it's, it's a, it, it can always be a past, past tense word, right? When you, you think greatest, like we're, you know, was the greatest. So I think, you can also take it as, you know, in the moment is the greatest. And in my opinion, man, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like Jamar Chase is the greatest Bengals receiver of all time right now. Just like if I, like, I would, I would say right now, Joe Burrow is the greatest quarterback in Bengals history. I know you got to look at the numbers all the years yeah. put in and what and shit like that. But I don't know, bro. I look at the projection. That's what it looks like. But at the same time, respectfully, bro, we know that Ocho, TJ, AJ, Carl, all these dudes were just goats. Like they were, they, the Bengals have had a long history of successful wide receivers. And I look at, I look, I mean, we talked about it pre pod, T and Jamar. Literally need two one thousand yard seasons, so they could arguably do that the next two years, right? If you if you get T back, they do that. T and Jamar both surpass TJ, and arguably probably Tyler Boyd too at that point. And it's only you know it's only a matter of time. But Jamar, in my opinion. Injuries have played a factor, right? I think with some of his stats, but he's still been the best in terms of over three years and being in the league. And I look at age twenty-three, man. I don't know. I think he he's been able to give Cincinnati, especially Joe Burrow, too. I was talking about this today. Like, when is Cincinnati outside of Ocho, who was just Social media, like if if Ocho was in today's game, he would probably be the most like talked Ocho about revolutionary. I mean, yeah. he revolutionized the NFL. Exactly, and I feel like Jamar and Joe are just 
just this polarizing to this city and to this franchise. And I don't know, bro. That's my opinion. That's why I think I get it. I know, I know the perspective. It's like, okay, I've been here. I did that. That's why I'm the greatest. Or he did this. He did that. That's why he's the greatest. But what I've seen, what I've seen Jamar Chase do that and what he's going to do, uh, God willing, you know, health and, and stuff. I just, bro, I'm ready to stand behind that until Jamar Chase is either no longer here or retires a Bengal. I think Jamar Chase is the greatest receiver in Bengals history. Yeah, I, I, I respect it, bro. And, uh, and, and I got a few things to say with this. And, uh, I'll try to leave it some quick hitters, but big ones, big home run hitters. So um, I've said this a lot. There is a crystal clear difference between best and great. And people would be like, what do you mean by that? The best encapsulation to sum it up is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It's there's a there's an IQ and an EQ. And I guess the other Q you could add in there is um Billy, what is even for? Trying to think. Because I was gonna make up something with like athleticism and traits, but I'll go ahead and name another example. Tim Grover, one of the greatest sports coaches of all time, personal trainers, trained Michael Jordan. And people ask him, was Michael Jordan the most physically gifted basketball player you've ever coached? Absolutely not. Wasn't even in his top 10. They said, well, how did uh, Michael? I mean, he was just a different specimen mentally. Him and Kobe. People, people don't say Kobe just because they're shooting a jump shot. They say Kobe because I got the mind of a killer, Black Mamba. There's a difference with that. And I think when you can carry an aura like that, that leads you to become an, an unparalleled type of leader. When you become an unparalleled type of leader, it's very easy to become a great over time. I don't want to say very easy, but you, you set yourself up on that path. And I think transformative is also being great more than just talent. We've had talent come in here. We've seen talent before. We've seen guys with profiles that should absolutely succeed, but flop. And we've also seen guys with inferior athletic profiles rise to the top. So the difference between best and great is definitely something there. And I think the biggest thing is that Jamar is the best, the best, the most talented. And I know AA fans are just kicking themselves. They want to kick me saying that you fucking kidding me. The the 80-20 ball catcher he was, I know AJ was just magical. But Jamar is unequivocal. The league. In Jamar Chase, at least in this modern football era, the since the turn of the millennium, there's not been a Chase. There's not been a wide receiver that is six foot Saquon Barkley, or a six foot Julio Jones and a two hundred pound Saquon Barkley, a two hundred pounds Walter Payton, or Bo Jackson. How about that? Two hundred pound Bo Jackson, and six foot fucking I don't know whoever name him. Calvin, fucking Calvin Johnson. Like, Jamar is the best, but the greatest. Here's where I'll finally get to my list. I think 
the greatest receivers of all time. I'll put Jamar at three. Which is surprising. Um, you know, because uh Isaac Kirk revolutionized the game as well. He revolutionized the push off rule or or, or uh, the five yards after contact rule. DBs would literally tackle him on go balls, bro. <laughs> after like 20 yards down the field, imagine that's that. Fucked up. I know. How fucked up is that? Just like, that's like, <laughs> like, like his stats could have been even better. Yeah, bro. Like, imagine that's like LeBron or De'Aaron Fox. Shout out DMVP going. I don't want to hear shit from you, by the way. So, shout out DMVP going up for a layup and someone just decking the shit out of him. Like, okay. No flag or nothing. Imagine but, it. Like, we, all right, I'll eliminate you. Like, Isaac Curtis did that. So he was legendary as well. He was transformative for the game. So I'll go ahead and try to sum it up here. Five for me is TJ, where TJ actually put himself above Javar, and I love that shit. I love how he was like, Chad, uh, AJ, Isaac Curtis, and yours truly. He's like, what the fuck you mean? So five is TJ for me. Um. I mean, look, dude, under Harold is sad. I always got to say, how crazy is it that the dude you went to HBCU college with in Chad, you transfer at the same time to the same college in Oregon State. Right. You then go on to get drafted by the same team in the same year in the seventh and second rounds in Chad and TJ to go on and combine for 18,000 yards in the NFL. How legendary is that? That's legendary shit. Yeah. Bro, TJ... 6,000 yards here, a pro bowler with Chad in 05. How hard is it to get two pro bowlers on the same roster at the same position? TJ, legendary for me. Isaac Curtis, like I said, revolutionized the game. He was like the 1970s Jamar Chase. That's what a lot of people said of his game. He revolutionized it. He's four for me. Jamar, just because of Jamar, how great he is right now. The stats he's broke early on. You know, the the receiving record all time as a rookie, as a 21-year-old, like you said, uh, 1,850 yards, almost 2,000 fucking yards in his first full season of football. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, it's insane. But AJ, I mean, look, dude, he's got to be two. Like, AJ has 10,000, 11, 12,000 yards in his career. He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to, he should, he's a, should be a Hall of Famer. Chad. Look, dude, it, here's an interesting one. If Jamar, don't even want to indulge on it, but if he caught that pass, if it did go the way we all prayed it would have in the bowl, I'd have to put Jamar at one. But it will take time for Jamar to get to one because Chad revolutionized the attitude of the NFL forever. Bro, he... I love how the resurgence of Chad is coming around more than ever, bro. Like that dope ass a uh, Super Bowl commercial they got with Chad. That song's first off fire as fuck. Like, I think it's lit. Chad rapping in the in the fucking commercial. He's everywhere. He's on podcasts. He's on commercials. He, I mean, and the commercial is centered around football players having fun because that's what he did. He transformed the attitude of the league. So he's got to be one for me. Greatest Bengals receiver of all time. Yeah, him and him and Shannon Sharp are really fun to watch. They're just very, very funny. I don't know. They're, yeah. they're personal. But uh Chick was at Bayless, right? Huh? 
Shayna was with Skip Bayless, right? Yeah, and apparently, I guess uh, Ocho is trying to get Shannon to get him to get on. Once, you know what I'm saying? So Ocho yeah. get on there with. Uh, give this real quick though, really yeah. quick. My top five best of all time, which yeah. is heavily predicated off not just being transformative for the league as a whole, you know, which is correlated with greatness. Uh, we'll go. We'll just go talent. Five for me. I'll go. This one's hard, man, because like I'm really tempted to put T. Um, you know what? I'm gonna put T at five. I'm gonna put T at five. Best, most talented receivers uh, Bengals have ever had. Four. I gotta go Isaac Curtis. Three. I'm going to go, um, fuck, I hate I always do this, bro. Florida State College, dude. Peter Work, or uh, I think it was Peter Work, not Carl Pickens. Peter Work was the Tavon Austin before Tavon Austin in the 90s. It just didn't pan out because he just kept getting injured. But you talk about a dude like a Dante Hall. Remember Dante Hall with the Chiefs in around 2000? Like, that was Peter Work. He was such a fucking freak athletically, bro. He could do everything except stay healthy. But I'm going to go ahead and put him at three because he was elite. Um, two. Oh, fuck. Nah, I'm doing six, dude. I, I can't forget. Uh, uh, Chad at three, AJ at two, Jamar at one. Jamar is the best Bengals receiver already of all time. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it. It's definitely two different, two different like definitions for each one, best and greatest. So I understand, but uh, I don't know, bro. I'm just I feel like Jamar, bro. Jamar's <laughs> he don't play. He gave it to draft night talking about he's breaking all the records. So I'm gonna stand. How about this? Got to get there. He's got to get there, dude. It's got to. It's got to get. You know, it's got to be there. But hey, we'll say this. Come to Joe. Joe's already the girl. So it is different. Yeah, I just I don't know. I'm right here. I'm about to I'm I'm in the car with Jamar Chase. We're just riding to the top. Like I said, he he been he's been the greatest. Um hey, I mean, I think he's the best and he's gonna get it. Like it absolutely he's gonna become the greatest. Bro, it's just bro. gonna be a great combo because we got great receivers in our franchise history. Like we haven't even seen like a seventeen hundred yard receiving season from Jamar yet. Like, imagine when we actually see that, bro. Like that—that's what's so crazy about it. Is you look at what he's doing right now. It's like, bro, <laughs> wait till that bag motivates. <laughs> that bag motivates. He's better be going even crazier. It's just, bro. He's twenty three. Twenty three. He's a. Bro, listen, that's the last thing we'll tell y'all tonight, guys. Jamar is a baby. Joe is an older baby. Joe's a big baby. Uh, Joe's 27. Yeah, he's just a big baby. Yeah, it's kind of hard to keep trying to justify the big baby thing. I mean, 27 years old, uh, like, if it was, like, big baby vibes, like, yeah, like, you know, it's that type of dude that's like, yeah, like, maybe you should, like, finally move out of your mom's house. You're like, 29 now like maybe you should get there joe's kind of at that stage uh 
of his mom's house, but you get my point. He, the kids, bro, T is an old kid. I'm an old kid. I'm 25. I'm two years older than Jamar. Right. I'm older than T. I'm two years directly, same day, as I've told you a million times, behind Joe. The nucleus of this team is so young. The future is bright. These last two weeks will remain bright. Me and Drake are not going to die. We're not going to talk about no fucking, you know, the season's over, pack it up, Brock Bowers, all that shit. Well, Brock Bowers ain't happening with eight wins. But there's a lot of football to be had, and we will be back with y'all uh, for the episode on in a couple of days. Uh, like you said, this one recorded late in the week. Sorry, guys. Uh, Wednesday night recording here. Um, probably have it to you guys on Friday or Saturday. And uh, until then, you know, we'll have some fun talking shit uh, to the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> trying to make this game have the hype that it should have is just so funny. It's like, I mean, remember when all the game on the schedule, bro. I mean, just licking our chops New Year's Eve, Joe and Patrick, and like now it's just like, like this is not what we thought, bro. Exactly, bro. Because I, I think it's just funny that we're a game back behind Patrick Mahomes with Jake Browning, and I think the season's completely changed with Joe Burrow in there. And I think, I think without MVP races going too, like this probably could have been. Yeah. Oh my God, bro. We could literally technically be up on the Chiefs head to head straight up because if we beat them, we go to nine and six, right? Wait, what's all right? Nine and seven. They fall to nine and seven and we have the win straight up. Chiefs fans, we own your team. It, I'm warning you. I'm warning them all now. We're all warning them. Oh, bro. bro. Right? I mean, I mean, imagine, listen, imagine the entire AFC, right? You got the fucking Jags at nine and seven, the Bengals at nine and seven, the Chiefs at nine and seven. You got all these other teams at fucking nine and seven. It makes the last week of football insane. (laughs) Insane. So if, if Roger Goodell, if you want to make the script look nice, bro, here is the opportunity because I, I want to – I just want to see where Chiefs fans are after the game. I just want to see if, if that happens. But, you know, we'll see. We'll talk about it, you know, here in the coming days, a little later episode. But at the same time, uh, hey, Cam Taylor-Britt's back, so that's good news. I want to I wanna end it on this. I feel like I would do myself wrong if I didn't say something. But – uh. You know, a guy I went to school with at Connor High School, um, kid there, he passed away on Christmas Eve. He was in the class of 2020 with me, so uh, shout out Stanley Crawley, rest in peace, man. Um, actually, a crazy story. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to get into stories. Um, just want to say rest in peace, man, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, for sure. Um you know, obviously, every day is extremely precious for sure. And, you know, every single person listening to this acknowledge, you know, that great times are to be had right now and whatever facet, you know, in your personal life and your uh, escapism life of football or whatever, you know, um, you know, to cherish every day. And we're definitely going to do that here as we wrap up the season, you know, as Bengals fans, as we got more exciting football. Let's and, fucking uh, 
I mean, we're seven point underdogs, B thanks. Seven point underdogs. Has broken Chiefs even score seven points? Like uh, this yeah. off is ass, bro. All right, all right. We we gotta we gotta keep it for the other episode. The uh, let's say this the other episode is gonna be so fucking fun i can't wait but uh until then that'll do it for this episode of the all things Bengals podcast appreciate you bro yes sir peace peace